0: Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali. I'm
1: a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor. I'm a data scientist and writer, and you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition.
0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Not Overthinking. This is a very exciting podcast episode because we're actually live streaming this on Instagram, on my Instagram. You should follow me at at Ali Abdal. Um, and we were just querying to what extent this is going to change the dynamic of this conversation, because now we are in a way performing to the, the Instagram live, but also quote
1: performing on the podcast. Uh, and Tamo had some like insights on this. Yeah, I think we when we when we're talking about the putting yourself, I think the episode with Omar, when we're talking about doing a podcast and whether you kind of feel uptight doing a podcast in front of people. And we kind of agreed that it's really easy recording a podcast because no one's actually watching you in the moment um but i guess on instagram live people are watching you so it kind of changes things a bit but i was thinking one thing i've always thought is that you don't really get to see the very private interactions people have with people like i've always fantasized about being able to truly be a fly on the wall during someone else's like first date with someone and being able to see that sort of authentically because like there's tv shows like first dates and stuff right but you know it's it's never going to be quite as authentic or real or whatever clearly a performative aspect to the yeah exactly uh, but there's there's a good show called Terrace House, which is a bit like Big Brother, but Japanese. And I think it's more authentic because there's no challenges and stuff. And so a bunch of people just live in a house together like Big Brother and they're sort of filmed. And it's really nice because I think it, it doesn't actually feel performative. Like it's just, you know, I'm just watching people <laughs> it's just live like normal like pure lives. pure voyeurism. Yeah, yeah, pure voyeurism. <laughs> the thing that you fantasize about. Yeah, yeah exactly. Anyway, Um how are you doing, anyway? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I have pretty bad hay fever at the moment. So oh god, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. must be terrible. Yeah, for there's, there's going to be lots of sniffles during this podcast. Lots
0: of sniffles, yeah. Uh, normally we cut out the coughs and the sniffle. <coughs> normally we we cut out the coughs and the sniffles and stuff. I've had this cough for the last like three months. I'm concerned I've got some kind of lung cancer or TB or, or
1: equivalent. So who knows? All right. So Ali, what are we what are we talking about this week?
0: So this week I thought we'd uh, take the time to address a query that I got via email from a student from New Zealand. And this is a query that I've thought about a fair bit and I, I felt that this person phrased it very nicely in the email. So I'm gonna read out this email to you and we'll see if we can answer answer the, the issue at hand. Let's do it. So it's hi, Ali, I am so-and-so from New Zealand and I've been following your content for a while now since last year, YouTube channel, blogs, emails, podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first time emailing a role model of mine. So please do don't mind if this email is too long or if the question I ask is poor. Uh, The simple question I want to ask is, at what point are you qualified? Hmm. That's it. To give context. (laughs) (laughs) To give context, I'm not pursuing to become a doctor. However, like you, I would like to become a content creator. I'd like to produce media not only for myself as a creative outlet um, and self-growth, but for people to relate to as well. Perhaps through starting a blog, a website, a YouTube channel, or through my background of art and design. However, this then begs the question for me lingering in the back of my head, at what point am I qualified? Currently, I'm 18 years old and finishing high school last year, terribly if I do out, and just now finished a small foundational course in business to get into my university degree. However, before going back into university, I'm going down an untraditional path and taking a gap year or time off before doing my degree. Unlike you or many other content creators I follow, I don't have an amazing degree or qualification backing me up. No incredible experience or success to my name. I'd like to become a content creator, and I feel I have the potential, time, and ideas to create, but then the question arises, am I qualified? I understand that your degree. Uh, I understand that your degree does not define you, and similarly, my past shouldn't weigh me back. But I can't help but feel insecure. Will people actually care to? Uh, oh, sorry. Will people actually care to listen to me, who is 18 and have nothing exceptional to my name? And what will my friends and family, especially my parents, think of me? I'm basically. I'm basically opening up a part of myself no one's ever seen. Will I be supported or ridiculed in following my untraditional path of taking time off before my degree? Are you doing a gap year and veering off to become a content creator? On a side note, I feel becoming a content creator or creating content will tremendously help me grow and that's why I'm considering it. So again, I ask the question, at what point are you qualified? I'm sure at some point you must have asked yourself this as a content creator. So, so I look forward to seeing what your answer may be.
1: Wow, that's a long email. It's a long
0: email, but it's good. And I, I quite liked how she broke it up by kind of referencing back to the question, at what point am I qualified? Am I qualified?
1: Yeah.
0: I think this is a, a big issue that people
1: have. <laughs> What do you, Okay so I think the question is pointing to some underlying issue which you think is a big issue. What what's that underlying issue?
0: No I, I, do, I oh, don't I don't think the question, question is pointing I think just the question on the surface the is yeah, like is, is is a big issue because kind of going back to our initial well, what was it episode 2 or something where we talked about the fear of getting started Yeah 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 the fear of putting yourself out there um one of the major insecurities that I know people have that I certainly used to have is oh you know am I really qualified to comment on Whatever I'm commenting on, yeah, um, and this is something that I feel like everyone has to get over in some way before they become a quote content creator, yeah, uh, in in any form or other. So you do writing on the internet. How do you feel qualified to comment on on stuff? Slash, do you have any thoughts about how
1: how to answer this? Yeah, That's I think a young lady's I, question. I think trying to break out of this mindset of okay, as a disclaimer, I think there are a group of things in the world where qualification is important. And then there are most other things where it's actually not about qualifications at all. Hmm. And so, for example, if they announce on the plane, hey, you know, is anyone a doctor? This person's having a heart attack. Me, this budding new writer who's made red if when breath becomes air or something, I haven't actually read it. I, I don't know what Is <laughs> it about that stuff? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, great. <laughs> but I appreciate the, the popular culture reference there. Yeah, like if they announce on the plane, we're looking for a doctor, someone having a heart attack, I should not put my hand up and say, you know, I could do this. You know, that, that's, that's a sphere in which it's important to be qualified. But for basically everything else, I think the default is to kind of assume it works the same way as, for example, being a doctor or being able to drive a car properly or whatever. We kind of map all these truly, qualification based things onto everything else, which is actually not qualification based. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people, it's kind of linked to imposter syndrome and stuff, right? Where you don't kind of feel like, Oh, am I qualified to call myself a programmer or a writer or whatever? Hmm. Um, I, I think one of the, uh, yeah, learning how to code, I think has been really helpful for this. I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with this, that like, I don't know, we were sort of doing it when we were like 16 or something and you kind of teach yourself this thing. Um, and at that point, I, I remember before I started learning how to code, it always seemed to me to be something really hard. Like, oh man, I can't do that. I haven't like learned how to do that, or like yeah. gone to school for that thing. Um, but eventually, when I got around to doing it, then at the end, it was like, oh, okay, you can basically just like teach yourself anything. And there's actually not really any difference between, you know, whether I sat in my bedroom at 16 learning how to code or whether someone you know, went to a boot camp to do it or studied computer science to learn how to do it or whatever. Um, that doesn't really matter. So I think that's sort of helped me get out of this qualification mindset for a lot of things.
0: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd fully agree with that. Um, I've been preaching the whole, hey, learn to code thing to almost everyone that I know who's vaguely interested in entrepreneurship and stuff. And uh, our mutual friend, Paul, uh, taught himself how to code in his final year of medical school. Um, and he went through some, you know, online course on Udemy on how to learn Python and he had a, a, a good insight. And he said that prior to learning how to code, he he'd always thought of it as this black box. Mm. And he kind of see me making changes to be Ninja and kind of the command line going across the screen. And he'd be like, mind blown. Like, yeah, oh, my yeah, God, the matrix. How, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, How does this work? And then he started learning about it. And, you know, he, even though he went down the path of just following an online course, he then realized that, oh, actually, it's not too bad. It's just about learning a few concepts, stringing this, this and that together. And now, and, and, and then he, he, he learned it to the point that he was able to kind of build his own little website from on the side that was trying to offer services to Singaporean students, whatever. But the point is that what, as soon as you start exploring these seemingly um, black box ideas, you realize that actually it's, it's not so bad. Yeah. So how does that <laughs> tie into our question of am I qualified? It's kind of the thing about, about imposter syndrome in that... So, for example, you know, we taught ourselves to code in like sort of early teen teen years. Would you have called yourself a programmer or a coder or a software developer? I mean, I, like, I probably wouldn't have done. No. I would have said I'm, I'm a guy who happens to know a bit of code and I can build a, a few small things on the side if I wanted to.
1: Yeah, sure. But I think the, the qualification thing doesn't come into, like, would you label yourself as this thing? But it, the fact that you've just, like, taught yourself this thing and now you have this new skill that you can make things with... I think once you once you do that with one thing once, and it's like, whoa, this is pretty much how the world (laughs) works, and you could pretty much do this with anything. That's what everyone else is doing, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. Even if even if you think about university, to be honest, there's teaching and stuff, but it's mostly. It's mostly teaching yourself that happens, right? Yeah.
0: Even in even in something like medicine, like where you would think you, that you need a qualification, it is mostly we we mostly teach ourselves. Yeah, and people always complain at every single university in the world. That, oh, our teaching is not great. We don't get enough teaching. I wish we had more teaching. But yeah. everyone ultimately ends up teaching it to themselves for the most part. Um, you just get that piece of paper at the end that that shows you're legit and that you've passed the exams. And I think one of the great things about learning to code is that, it, as you said, it does um, encourage that mentality of i can i can just teach myself anything so like for for you and me now and for most people that we know if you want to learn something then you wouldn't think to for example leave a comment on a youtube video being like hey peter mckinnon how did you learn to edit videos i would just google how to edit videos and find it tutorials on youtube because it's (laughs) just it's just such a given that you can teach yourself literally whatever the hell you want on the internet yeah i I sometimes even get taken aback when people say hey how how did how how did you learn coding how did you learn to sing? How do you learn guitar? I mean, I can see why you would say that because it's, it's kind of useful to have someone who's at a level that you think is reasonable and the path that they followed. But my answer is always, I mean, I just Googled it and you find
1: everything on wikiHow or on justinguitar.com or, or equivalent. Yeah, I think ha- having um, the sort of teenage years with not too much structured time, just free to explore the internet was actually super valuable because, yeah, it basically consisted of like, oh, I wonder how to make a website. Let's learn that. Oh, I wonder like how cameras work. Let's like, learn photography or whatever so i wonder if that's different to people growing up in this generation
0: in that when we were when we were younger the whole the social media thing was less of a big deal than it currently is like you would you would chat to your friends on msn messenger or the later windows live messenger and and then later facebook messenger but i felt that a lot of my time when i was near seven eight nine was unstructured time on the internet explore exploring the internet Which I feel is just not a thing that people do these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The internet is made up of like, yeah, you sort of live full. I think back then we were sort of living full time on the internet, but in like 20, you know, 2010, 2009, 2008, living full time on the internet did not look like all your friends are also on the internet all the time and you're with them on TikTok and messenger and whatever. It looked like you're basically alone on the internet. A couple of your nerd friends are online as well somewhere and you're sort of hanging out with strangers on online forums for niche activities and things like that. And yeah, I wonder if that's sort of lost now that the internet is super structured. I wonder what like the next, yeah, the, the, the next part. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's the frontier of like random exploration that people can do as kids is.
0: Yeah, because, like, back in the day, it was it was very much about frequenting online forums and stuff. And you were very active on, like, certain random forums and developed an interest in like, yeah. building computers and, like, graphic design and all this stuff through these forums. Yeah,
1: online forums changed my life. Like, I, if it weren't for these forums, I wouldn't have learned how to code. I wouldn't have, you know, gone to ph- photography. Yeah, building computers. Any of this stuff, I basically learned through this, like, community of other nerds on online forums. I suppose now, like, I guess if I were growing up, I'd
0: probably... I don't know. I wonder if I'd be browsing skillshare.com a lot. <laughs> but Unfortunately, they're not sponsoring this episode. <laughs> Although actually, we, we should reach out to them because I think we have decent listener numbers now. Anyway, because yeah. um, no, there are now like structured online video courses to learn anything. Like you want to learn illustration or graphics or hand lettering or anything cool like that, basket yeah. weaving. You just
1: find an online course to do it and it just takes you through it. Um, but by now, I suspect for like, like when we were younger and stuff, we didn't have random money to spend on online courses. Like the, the, the whole online game was, how can you do all this stuff without spending a dime? Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, a single penny. Yes, that's true. Um, uh, so I think online courses, I think are really cool, but probably not an option for a lot of people at that stage. I don't
0: know. Cause like a Skillshare subscription is like $9 a month, which is the price of Netflix. And every, everyone has Netflix. Um, no, no,
1: no. Everyone doesn't have Netflix. Really? People don't have Netflix. Uh, I think when you're like a sort of mid teenager, You still have to like get your parents to buy you stuff. It's not just like I have a debit card and I can swipe it and get Netflix. It's like mom, dad, mom, please can I get? Yeah, please can we have
0: Netflix this month? And you like convince
1: them for absolutely ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's the summer holidays. It's a two-month free trial. Yeah. Okay. How do we go into this topic? Um, We're talking about teaching teaching yourself stuff, and how when you start teaching yourself stuff and you realize how easy it is to teach yourself anything, you get over this idea that you need to be qualified to do something. But I feel like we still haven't touched on this idea that this, this person is referring to, which is that um, she wants to become a content creator. You start putting herself out there and start cr- in probably in a way creating some kind of educational content around some, some certain thing yeah. and thinks, I'm not good enough. Surely there are people far better qualified to do the thing than I am.
1: I think we made one point during our discussion just now that is relevant, which is that all these people who seem qualified, who have these pieces of paper saying, you know, I studied this at this university or I like have some certificate of this thing. The process of learning these things, even in a structured place like a university is pretty much self-directed. It's pretty much just someone figuring things out on their own. And yes, you have sort of a support network of other people doing it and maybe tutors who you can ask for help. But all these people who are qualified have basically just like taught themselves to a large degree. I think, um, but maybe I'm biased there because I feel like I, I'm much more... Yeah, I feel like I don't learn very well from other people and I kind of just have to figure things out for myself. Mm. And that's kind of how I went through university.
0: I don't know. Most people that I know who also went went through university uh, lamented the lack of <laughs> kind of decent high-quality formal teaching and yeah. feel felt like they had to teach everything to themselves for the most part. Um, but then when it comes to feeling qualified to put yourself out there, like like even so... Um, one, so for example, when I was setting up the, the, the BMAT courses initially, and I mentioned it to some people, the first comment was also, Oh, wh- how, how are you qualified to teach the BMAT? And I'd kind of, yeah. I'd kind of chuckle a bit, but also I get exactly where they're coming from because yeah, that's, there is very much the attitude of, you know, you have to be qualified to do stuff like this. Whereas the response I'd give, I'd give was, well, you know, I did all right in the BMAT, i thought i have a good method i can teach that to others you know what else do you really need in order
1: to teach something to someone i think the problem is that the default mindset that society puts us in is that you need someone's permission to do something oh you you need someone's permission to do anything that's what what
0: it comes down to oh it's all about permission there it is all right talk more about (laughs) that yeah (laughs) i feel like i feel like you've, you've hit the nail on the head i feel like i have
1: all right Yeah, I think I was quite surprised when I learned that to start a company, you go online and you fill in a form and then you you pay 10 pounds and then you've started a company. That always felt like, no, surely not. (laughs) There must (laughs) be more to it than that. There (laughs) must must be some trial, the 12 gates of heaven or whatever that you have to go through before like you start. Why do we, why does it seem like there are all these things set up (laughs) before? do you
0: know what I mean? I know what you mean. Like, Like all of life operates on the assumption that you need permission. And this is, this is like a major message in a lot of kind of entrepreneurship, self-help kind of like (coughs) inspiring sort of books and podcasts and stuff. And even in, in movies where, so for example, you were super inspired by the social network, which is just the story of these guys starting this thing without asking anyone for permission. And it seems like a lot of the, a lot of the context around entrepreneurship and stuff is built around getting over this idea that you need to ask permission and just doing it. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the first time you do that and you realize, oh shit, this is actually very, very doable. From from then onwards, it, like, every, everything just becomes easier because you realize I don't need permission to do, all, <laughs> to,
1: to do it. But why is that the default mindset? I feel like it's because... Now, I always, I always kind of come back to this thing that's about cool. how... Uh, not school. The other one is... <laughs> my other spiel is how languages are like shackling us down.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right? spiel.
1: Okay, so what's your spiel about this? My spiel about... The, why I think that's relevant here is because I think like when we learn about the world and when we talk about the world, it's always in terms of categories. You know, you look at someone, you say, oh, this person is a doctor or this uh-huh. person is a this and this person is a that. Um, and as an outsider to all these things, like I'm not let's say I haven't learned how to drive yet or something. let's say there are people, all right, I might as well use the real example. Let's say someone is a taxi driver. Okay. Ah, oh, this is a good example. Actually, someone is a taxi driver. I'm on the out. I'm not a tra- taxi driver. I'm on the outside of this. And the fact that they have this taxi driver label, um, kind of makes me feel like, all right, where was I going with this? Yeah, where were go? <laughs> I, I have no idea where this is going. I feel like because we talk about everything in terms of categories and in terms of labels <laughs> and we don't, by default, ah, okay, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> here, we, here we go. <laughs> you start life with zero labels and zero categories applied to yourself. Hmm. You explore the world, which is a world of people with categories and labels. And you, have to, and you feel like you have to go from zero categories to earning each category and label. And you feel like there's a step to be made there. Um, and I think that's why it feels like some, it feels like someone has to give you some kind of stamp before you can like apply the Uh, categories yourself yourself. because you start at zero, you don't start at all the categories, you know? Um, and you kind of have to, it feels like you have to like get to the category or the label.
0: And like at the age of five, people ask you what you want to be when you're older and you're like, oh, I'm striving for, to be stamped with a label of firefighter or astronaut or footballer. Exactly. 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 And once you get that certificate, then you're like, oh, I guess I guess I'm a footballer. I guess I'm I guess I'm a doctor, or, or yeah, whatever. yeah, okay, yeah. I think I can I can get on board with that. So we start off life with zero labels. We feel the need to acquire labels as we get older, just because of the way that society and language is set up.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we have to use labels and categories to make sense of the world and to like refer to things. I don't know how else we do it. But the downside to that is that it sort of creeps into your mindset, and you think that these labels and categories are a lot more significant than they are. They
0: actually, are yeah. I suppose the experience of going through school doesn't really help this in that it's all about working towards being stamped with certain labels. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Even, even the social structure set up around school is based on, you know, <laughs> he's a jock, he's a nerd. <laughs> 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 or equivalent. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess for people then who are trying to put themselves out there to, to become kind of going back to this, this girl's question, to become content creators, part of it is getting over this idea that you need to be qualified but but even then there's still a significant component of why why would someone else why would people think that my advice on this is valuable right and and the way I got over this personally was uh, as i've i've mentioned in previous podcasts and stuff i i read a great book called show your work by Austin Kleon and in that he fully empathizes with this 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 idea that whenever we're even considering putting ourselves out there in any way, becoming a content creator or whatever, we always think, oh, but I'm not, I'm not qualified enough. You know, who cares what I have to say? I'm just an 18-year-old. I'm just a 15-year-old. I'm just a 25-year-old. You know, I'm 45 years old. I'm, I'm way past my sell by date. Why does anyone care what I have to say? And his answer there is that as long as there is at least, there's going to be at least one person in the world who cares what you have to say, there is almost a moral imperative on you to put that stuff out there because you're helping people, you're helping the world, you're adding value to the world, however, however that might be.
1: Yeah, I think part of the issue with like creating content is that I guess when you're going, yeah, when you have this concern of like, am I qualified? You're sort of going going at it with the assumption that you're positioning yourself as an expert or whatever. And I think because because all the sort of like, I guess with newspapers and all this kind of stuff, the people who comment on things and who write these things are allegedly experts in these things. Mm. And so it feels like if you have if you have some thoughts on something and you want to put them out there, it means you think you're an expert, or you're trying to claim to be an expert. Yeah. Because I think that's that's the, the standard model of like old media. It's that like experts comment on things.
0: Oh yeah, true. Whereas with starting a blog, you're making no com- like uh, no allusions at all to the idea you're an expert. You're literally just saying you know this worked for me. I am a novice, and I'm te- teaching <laughs> teaching other novices who maybe haven't gotten as far as I have.
1: Yeah, exactly. And actually, the whole the whole thing about Experts being the people in traditional media, that's also complete rubbish <laughs> as well because yep. I, I think as you get older, occasionally like you know you find out that random friends of yours have been like called up by BBC News or something because they seem like an expert on some topic and like they know about the thing, but they're not that different from like you or I right uh, and actually one of the blog posts I wrote last year I wrote a blog post about the technology that powers airline ticketing systems. It's actually really interesting yep. I, I think you've read it' <laughs> super read, interesting yeah. I spent a few days researching this thing online, wrote this blog post. It sort of went. it got some traction, like various online communities. And then like a couple of radio stations, there was uh, a Canadian public radio reached out to me. And then another one in Australia reached out to me. They, they do like some technology show on their radio thing. And they were both talking about the technology behind air travel or something. Um, and they reached out to me as like the expert that comes in on the radio show to like talk about this thing i wasn't an expert i I spent a few days researching this thing i wrote a blog post i think it was a good blog post but that's the standard of the experts we hear about it's people like me who research the thing for a few days um yeah um uh, and on a similar vein
0: um sorry i don't want to try and sound as if I'm trying to compete with your story. So just like putting out there, but just kind of on this theme of people thinking that you're an expert on stuff. Um, I got contacted by someone like ITV producer or something via Instagram DM. They were were doing this like uh, magic special where some magician was going to like drown themselves in a pool of water. Mm. And they wanted a doctor to come on and talk about the physiology of drowning. And and, (laughs) (laughs) What the hell do I know about the physiology of drowning? Maybe we had like 20 minutes on it in a physiology lecture five years ago. But I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll do it. And and, and my plan was (laughs) I'm going to spend a day researching about the physiology of drowning. I was going to maybe drop a message to Dr. Barnes, my physiologist, supervisor and be like you know is this legit and then <laughs> and then go and present myself as an expert on the physiology of drowning purely because i had the label of being a
1: doctor what's what happened with this i, mean, oh, they never,
0: I, I, I imagine they found like dr alex or someone more famous oh, actual expert although in fairness in my email to them I, s- I said look you know i'm i've i've been graduated med school for about three months i know nothing about drowning i'm i'm happy to come along and and, and research it beforehand but i feel like you want to find someone who's is more more of an expert
1: yeah but yeah so i, th- I think that, that there's definitely a the myth of the expert where like Far fewer people are, are tr- truly experts, They're the kinds of experts that we think they are. Oh, and there's also the curse of the
0: expert. So this is something I came across in, I think it was an interview with Tiago, <laughs> with uh, Tiago Forte in a podcast earlier this week while I was walking to work.
1: Oh, by the way, so if, if you think Ali is a pro- productivity guru, Tiago is Ali's productivity guru. <laughs> yeah, but, oh man.
0: yeah, I mentioned him in, in today's email newsletter as well. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you haven't subscribed to the email newsletter, people, you should. Uh, email to aliabdall.com. Anyway, I was talking about this podcast yeah the curse of the expert and in this they were talking about this idea of how um we all we'll feel worried that oh i'm i'm not enough of an expert of productivity to be able to offer productivity tips you know the um a similar thing i had was you know what, how 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 am i qualified to offer study tips on the internet like i didn't come first in my year every year i didn't get a first class degree every year i didn't get just you know why am i qualified to do this um and the point and the point that they made which is really good actually is that often the person you want to be teaching you stuff is not the person who's the expert because they cannot empathize, they cannot understand where you're coming from. You want someone who's maybe about six months ahead of you in terms of their own kind of knowledge, but who fully understands what it was like to be a novice in the subject. And they called this the, the curse of the expert. I think it's, it's a thing, it's like a common phenomenon as well. Um, and just kind of explaining that when you have that mindset, that being an expert is like actively bad when you're trying to teach someone stuff who is a complete novice,
1: you'd rather be an amateur rather than an expert. Yeah. I think, I think this rings really, really true. I think that, yeah, there's like a weird point where I guess when it comes to more academic things like maths and stuff, where th- I think there's a huge divide between when you get it and when you don't get it. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard. I think very few people can actually bridge the divide. And so I used to do like some maths tutoring when I was in school, uh, just for a bit of money on the side. Um, and I found that I was pretty good at tutoring people who already got it <laughs> <All right. No. laughs> yeah i was great at that yeah um but i found it very hard to teach kids who are like really really struggling and i could never quite understand why they weren't getting it yeah like, i was explaining it to them <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's not hard what's going on yeah. yeah i would like say this thing okay do you get this this is like yeah i get that and then follow on from that and at some point they'd just get lost and then when i got to university and I, you know, <laughs> and you were the guy who didn't get it. then. Yes, exactly. That made me empathize with them so much because I didn't get it. And I also couldn't really explain why I didn't get it to the people that got it. So like, my friends would be like, okay, right. Do you, do you get this thing? I'm like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and like, at all the points where they'd ask me like, do you understand this thing? I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But for some reason in their head, all of these individual things combined to form an understanding. And in my head, they just didn't. Um, so I, yeah, I think expertise is not necessarily what you want when you're learning stuff.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think we've all had that experience of like, for example, the, the, the eminent professor at the university who's got their title of professor because of their research output rather than their teaching experience, they do a lecture and unless they have been active uh, un, unless they just happen to be a really good public speaker, chances are that lecture is going to be really, really boring because, you know, they're a professor, they spend their life, life doing research, not, they don't spend their life doing public speaking and, you know, actively teaching. And so Often, like, I found that when we had our own supervisions, like, when, when it comes to going to going to places like Oxford and Cambridge, one of the things that people pedal is, oh, you get these one-to-one supervisions with world-leading experts in your field. And, yeah, they were, they were all right. But, honestly, I found that I learned so much more when it was someone who was two years above me teaching me the same thing. Like my neurosupervisions with Venetia, who was a sixth year medic when I was a fourth year medic, were so, so, so good. Whereas, you know, a neurosurgeon consultant or a neuroscience consultant just wouldn't have been able to teach me on that same level. And that's why I think going back to this idea of when am I qualified, you actually don't need to be qualified and you maybe shouldn't be qualified if you're trying to, if you're, if you, if you're teaching stuff on the internet in which you're making it clear that you are a novice. Um, and actually, in another podcast I was I was listening to, it was an interview with Tim Urban, who's the guy behind Wait, But Why, a really popular blog. And his whole his whole spiel is that he um, he does these kind of deep in in depth deep dives into things like explaining Elon Musk's you know SpaceX, explaining Neuralink, and ex- explaining these complicated topics in ways that people can understand. And his thing is like, yeah, I'm not an expert, um, but he, he starts off at, let's say, kind of level four about knowing about a topic that, you know, I vaguely can read the headlines. I understand that SpaceX is a company that they're trying to do space exploration and stuff. And he wants to get himself to a level seven by just doing tons of research on the internet, because when he's at a level seven, he can understand what the level 10 experts are saying. But his way of when he when he's making his blog post, he's trying to get other people up to level seven, not to level 10. So I, I, I like found this, this really resonated with me when I first heard this. I was like, oh, damn, yeah, this is how it works. Because when I, for example, teach medicine and and, and teach students in the years below and stuff, I'm nowhere near trying to... I'm, you know, I'm not even at level 10. I'm not trying to get them to level 10. I'm just trying to get them to level 7. And I think that's a good place to try and aim, aim for.
1: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Tim Urban and, and the level 4, 7, 10 thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> level
0: 4, 7, 10. All right, so I, I think we actually have answered the question. Should we? Well, I where? think... Uh, yeah, actually let's, have, have let's people have, have people it. said anything on Instagram because I'm I'm, yeah. I'm curious how, how many viewers do we have on the stream at the moment? There are 24. Yes. 24 people. Uh, have we had any mean comments?
1: I don't think there's any mean comments. Okay. I think there's a couple of people who wrote short paragraphs. Wow, someone said, "Hey Ali, please switch places with your brother because I want to see your face more clearly <laughs> <laughs> without being obscured by loads of comments." <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, thank you very much uh, I'll send you a check in the mail afterwards someone said Callan Russell said everyone who thinks they have to be perfect off the get-go for a task are the ones who never begin because they think that the process to get there would be too harsh it's difficult to get through uh, he also says "Well, I, this was when we were talking about giving permission and mm-hmm. stuff the person giving you permission must have gained permission elsewhere you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> someone gave them the permission yeah. <laughs> exactly that's a very reasonable Mo- point. Molly tells you, Ali, you have, you have permission to clean the house. <laughs> okay, yeah, thank you, Molly. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's very kind. Yeah, there's not, there's not too many thoughts. It's more, mostly like hellos and yeah, greetings and things. Oh, okay. We, well, we'll probably but, cut this segment out of the actual recording. Yeah, so I think concretely one thing does matter, which is how you frame this whole thing. So for example, if you are someone like me, you know nothing about most things, but you occasionally like reading up on things and occasionally writing blog posts about them, if you are truly positioning yourself as like, hey, I know loads about this thing. I am an expert in inverted commas. I think that's a bad way to go because that sort of sets the wrong expectations. Um, it's not really what's going on. Whereas you can't really go too wrong if you position yourself as, hey, I'm just someone who's curious about certain things. And whenever I read interesting stuff, I occasionally write about it. Yep. That is... That is a very strongly defensible position. No one can call you out on like, oh, how pretentious you think you're so good (laughs) or whatever. Yeah,
0: no, that's a really good point. And so when it comes to my advice giving about study tips and stuff, like very occasionally I get comments being like, oh, you know, who are you to say this? I've got my tactics that work for me. My response to that is always, "Yeah, great, fine, fair enough." <laughs> I'm I'm just telling you what the evidence says from these these guys who claim to be experts. I'm I'm not passing it off as my own work. I'm telling you a few tactics that worked for me. If you've got your own methods that work for you, then yeah, fair enough, you do you. You know, I I'm not saying that what you're doing is actively wrong. I'm saying that you know, here's here's one way that might potentially work if you want to try it. And I think that's it's it's very easy to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. To the point where I now I, I, I don't feel any qualms at all about commenting on on stuff because. The way I've positioned myself is not as an expert, but
1: as an interested party. Yeah. And, and like, look, if there's anything anyone is the expert on, it is themselves. And if you're sort of putting yourself out there on the internet, you're sort of putting yourself out there on the internet. And so like, you know, even if you're writing about or blogging about or making videos about some tangible topic, it's your take on the topic. And it's very, you know, it's reasonable and perfectly fine for you to, to talk about that, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. So, I think that that pretty much covers this podcast. Have we got any uh, interesting insights of the week? Oh, so <laughs> um, one thing that I I've I've, ta- I've started doing a lot more is that that branch of joke where you're t- saying something really obvious.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you've, you've done a few of those today. Yeah, yeah, it's really good.
0: Um, so what? <laughs> so uh, last night we 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 were at a barbecue at this friend's uh, this friend's house, and afterwards in the in the post barbecue chill, we were all playing articulate and the phrase coal tit came up C O A L space T I T, which apparently is a, is a, is a, type of bird, but you know, so, so someone was, someone was trying to describe because you know, the, the idea of articulate is that you describe a word without saying the word. So there were so someone kind of was kind of looking at the card and being like, um, it's that thing that you mine for that creates energy. And then, Oh God, it's, it's, it's that thing that, that, that women have or something like that. Or it's uh, it, Oh, it's, it's that other word for boobies. I think yeah, someone yeah, said, and then um, we were, and then, and then at the end when the time ran out, they were like, "Oh, cold tits, what is that?" Um, and one of one of the people in that group was, like said something like, "Oh, you know, what on earth is that?" And I was like, "Tits, it's those things that it's it's those that women have." <laughs> <laughs> and then she out laughing, and I, I felt like everyone kind of laughed at that. Yeah, yeah, I felt yeah. really good about myself yeah. making that really obvious joke. <laughs> And equally, you, when someone, for some reason, you're wearing the, the same T-shirt as you were, you were wearing yesterday. <laughs> no one needs to know that. <laughs> there was something about, oh, Tamer, what's that on your T-shirt? And you were like, well, it's, it's, it's uh, the Nike logo, and then, and then it says Arkansas.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's a great j- joke for I think Lee Mack is extremely good at this, uh, on What I Like Here, See an Amazing Show. And it was also done really well on uh, this sort of parody comedy film called Airplane. I've, seen I've, Airplane. I've never seen that. It's a cult classic. I remember I yeah. at film club at school, like they, it was probably of my like some sixth formers or something, and they always used to show it because they liked it, and I never really got it. I was like, "This isn't funny. This is so stupid," and now I'm like re-quoting all of those jokes. So there's like a there's like a point in airplane where some the, someone has a heart attack or something, and uh, the the air hostess goes into the cabin and says like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, uh, you know, this person's very sick. We need to get him to a hospital. And then someone else is like, a hospital? What is it? And then she says, it's a place where you take sick people. <laughs> but that's not important right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Classic scenes, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's another one where it's like, oh, it, yeah, something's got wrong in the cockpit. <laughs> and they're like, the cockpit? What is it? <laughs> oh, it's the thing in the front of the plane. But that's not important right now. <laughs>
0: yeah so that format of joke is something that i'm going to start experimenting with a lot more and like i found that even like in the last week as soon as they've cut as soon as the opportunity has come up i've been so excited that i just yeah. haven't taken the opportunity like, the words don't come up. but i think that's a good insight of the week to end on brilliant insight so we talked a bit about um this idea of how when am i qualified our answer was You know, for most things in life, you actually don't need to be qualified. For a lot of things, you actually, uh, being qualified, being an expert actively hinders you from being able to teach stuff. And ultimately, if you're framing yourself in the right way, if you're making it clear that, hey, look, I'm not an expert on this topic. I'm just interested. I taught myself how to basket weave and I'm going to teach you now if you're a novice as well, then, you know, what's anyone going to do? It's all good.
1: Yeah, that sounds pretty accurate. Cool.
0: Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Have a
1: good week. Bye-bye.